Hello and welcome to this episode of the Halftime Orange podcast with me, Brenton Weber. Um, today I'm going to be speaking to Simon Fowler from The Colour Code. He's based in um, Tauranga, Greater Tauranga area, and he's from the same part of the world that I am. So we've had a very circuitous road to get to, to here, two Northwestern lads having a chat on a podcast in New Zealand. So uh, we cover some really interesting topics. We look at um, employee experience and leadership's involvement and the challenges that leadership are facing in that space in 2020. We are also, as I always do, tying it back to the impact on customers. Um, We also explore some of Simon's own subjective customer experiences towards um, the end of the conversation. So I do hope you enjoy the chat. Um, I certainly did. And uh, without further ado, I will introduce you to Simon. Hello and welcome to the Halftime Orange podcast. Um, this episode, it's uh, we've travelled a long way around the world um, from almost a similar position to end up in New Zealand. Um, and we're, we're, although we're both from the northwest of England originally, as is the, the producer, um, we're having a conversation with the wonderful Simon Fowler, from um, who's, who's originally from up north, where I'm from, and... Um, um, he is the director and co-founder of The Colour Code. So so first of all, welcome, Simon. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Brenton. And uh, yeah, no, thanks ever so much for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to come and talk to you. Um, long journey from the northwest of England to the greater Tauranga area. Uh, tell, tell, tell me and, um, and those listeners that, that don't know you and haven't come across you yet, um, what your journey's been like and how on earth you're talking to a boy from Blackpool who's only a few miles away in Auckland um, in 2020. Yeah, it has been a a long journey and I guess over many years really, Brenton. So um, like many people, I I went off to university and and did my studies Um, and through university I was just sort of looking forward to the time when I could uh, um, go and do a bit of travelling afterwards after all the hard work. We had some family out in New Zealand um, and that was always one of the first places on the list that I wanted to, to come and visit. Um, so, yeah, graduated university. Um, I got a, a short um, six-month contract with a, one of the large pharmaceutical companies to, to save up some money um, with the aspiration of, of then sort of coming over to New Zealand for a year. Um, the six months with the pharmaceutical company turned into 21 years. Um, but it, it did give me an opportunity sort of in those early years to get out here for a, a short visit. Um, and I think, yeah, after that, that very first visit to New Zealand, I just absolutely fell in love with the place. And it was uh, just on my mind ever since in different ways. Um, so uh, I met my wife. She'd had a, a similar history. She'd been and loved it. And then once we came together, I think the time was just ticking until it, it created the opportunity for us to move over. And, uh, yeah, that's exactly what we've done. What What is it? We're not here to advertise New Zealand, but it's pretty difficult not to talk glowingly about it um, when, when for, for choosing this to be our, our our place that we're bringing up our kids and our families. What was the main reason that New Zealand attracted you so much? Yeah, just a, a whole mixture of things, really. Um, I mean, the, the country is just beautiful. I mean, the, the scenery, the beaches, the mountains, it, it's just got such a diverse um, geography to it. it. You know, it's just a gorgeous place. Um, I think the longer the time you spend here, the more you meet the people, um, such welcoming, positive, um, humble people. Um, so, yeah, it, it just absolutely captured us. And when we then had a young family, 
Um, it just really struck you as such an amazing place to, to fetch up children. Um, and it, it almost became a, a sort of a bit of a challenge and a bit of a metaphor for us, really. We, we sort of had this dream to sort of come out, come out. Um, and I guess I sort of wanted to show my children that if you have a dream, if you have an objective, you can absolutely make it happen. But you've got to make the, you've got to take the responsibility for that. So no one was going to suddenly tap me on the shoulder and say, "Hey, Simon, why don't you you come over and do it?" If if we wanted to give it a try, we we had to make it happen, and we had not we hadn't to be scared of doing just that. So yeah, it, it just became yeah the absolute thing that we we had to do, and we we haven't looked back since we got here. Cool. And and now you have your own New Zealand business, um, the Color Code. Tell us all about that. Tell us how where where that sprang from. I know that I know that. It comes from this this um, twenty one years in 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 the corporate um, and really understanding um, the impact of culture on business outcomes and delivering good successful customer outcomes. So yeah, tell us tell us more about the color code. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I, I absolutely love my time. So uh, when I graduated university, I started um, a sales position with Pfizer, um, the pharmaceutical company. And very early in my career there, um, I was offered a, um, a profile. So um, I was told I was having this personal profile done. I was asked to complete a, a questionnaire online. And I was sort of given this sort of magic manual that was sort of, it felt like a, an instruction book on on how to sort of communicate and how to, to understand myself better. Um, and I think from that point, I was just hooked. Um, early in my career, I think like many of us do, I probably had a bit of imposter syndrome. Um, I'd probably told myself that as as much as I thought sales was good experience, it probably wasn't going to be my bag. I wasn't that pushy or outgoing. I was the sort of person, crikey, I'm going to age myself now, but when I, I stood up and did a presentation, I used to shake in front of the overhead projector. Um, yeah, all, all these things, <laughs> yeah, very much so. And all, all these things I just thought I couldn't do. Um, and I think as I learned about myself with insights, it it taught me all about myself more. It, it taught me about my strengths, my growth areas, how to connect more effectively with different people. And I, I think it it just really helped me to shine, um, but to do it in an authentic way rather than thinking that I had to do it sort of a certain way or had to be certain things. So, yeah, it, you know, I was I'd always be thankful to, to Pfizer for the development they put me through, but Insights was the one bit that, that stuck with me through every day of my career. Yeah, and now and now you're taking those insights to organisations. And what what are the biggest um, what are the biggest outcomes that you're seeing um, in the the businesses that you're working with? Who are you know? I think it's so important, and I think we're we're doing that a lot in 2020. Actually, I think there's a lot of um, it's not a very it's not a very nice term navel gazing, but we are very introspective. I think, which we're having to be because we don't know what the future's. What fu- what's coming in our future? Everything's very unstable for for most of us at the moment, and it's all very well wearing the masks when it's all nice and um, hunky dory and everything's going well. But now's the time where we really need to understand ourselves so that we can develop and adapt to the the changing world. Are you, are you how are you seeing that manifest itself at, at the companies that you work with? Yeah, hugely so, really. And that that that's probably the bit I missed in your last question, Brenton, is is when I um sort of myself and Nick, my business partner, set up the colour code, we we sort of took on the rights to to extend insights to to companies in New Zealand and Australia. Um so I've started working with with quite a diverse group of customers. We've we've got um sort of local governments, we've got some of the biggest retail customers in New Zealand, I've worked with some of the big food and beverage companies. 
and I, I think the challenges that people are seeing, there's quite a, an array. Um, and I think the COVID situation has probably changed some of those challenges. So people working remotely, um, suddenly, you know, teams and people have got to connect at distance and how you, you sort of connect and collaborate in a distant manner, it fetches different challenges with it. Um, one of my clients, they they sort of almost accelerated some of the work we were doing together because insights tends to be a real sort of positive scheme. So it, it focuses a lot on people's um, strengths. But as a leadership team, this particular client was suddenly really conscious that they they were guilty of showing what we call bad day behaviors. So the stress that people were seeing was was causing them to feel under pressure and they they felt that they might be showing bad day behaviors. Um, and also, in fairness to them, probably everyone throughout their organization was was sort of feeling the pressure and maybe a bit more sensitive to normal behavior. So just helping people to see what sort of things might trigger their particular individual strength and um, stress um, how they might then show up to other people and how they could recenter themselves just helps people sort of return to center and, and show up in the best way they can. Um, so that, that's been a big opportunity for people. So how how close is this linked to the Jungian, you know, understanding our shadow selves? Because I've I've been doing a bit of reading about that. I've been re- uh, Robert Green book um, recently, and um, the laws of human nature, and it talks about how our shadow selves often come out under those periods of intense stress, um, and 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 pressure where that where we we are having to wear a mask of I'm thinking from a business leader's perspective, a mask of confidence and positivity because of the the effect that we know that, that that has on the people around us we have to be leading with with a smile on our face and thinking that this is going to go forward but that wearing that mask becomes very tiring and on those bad days the shadow can easily come out um is is that where is it, are the parallels there with what you're 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 uncovering in these bad days you know bad day behavior yeah, there's certainly parallels. So um, the work that the Colour Code does with insights is all grounded in Jungian psychology. Um, so the, I think that that's what always struck me with insights in particular is it's it's thoroughly validated. So I, I personally find it you know really accurate, um, but it, it's also a nice simple model to to sort of put into practice, and it's got quite a lot of impact. So it, it's the Jungian preferences that shape up the colour energies that that we talk about with people's preferences. And yeah, each of the colours has a good day and a bad day uh, manifestation. And I think through insights and through our time together with people, we we can help people understand how they show up at the best, and then how they might be affected as the as the as the pressure ramps up really. Um, and yeah, it, it happens to the best of us. But having that understanding and that self awareness can help people, um, you know, do the best to control it and, and consider how it might impact others around them. Um, with, with those companies that are accelerating this process, what's been the um, the response from the, the the teams and the employees um, that are actually going through the process? Because, of course, from a business leader's perspective, we're all in. We're all now um, vying for the the investment of um, the leaders and the, and the support of their leaders. And yet, everybody is everybody is requiring a really solid ROI. We call it ROXI when it's involved with customer experience. Um, but that there has the, the the leaders, the shareholders, they want to know that there's an ROI with this activity. So, what ROI are you seeing out there with the teams and their their the, and the culture that you're you're affecting with your work? 
Yeah, I think the the return on investment can be huge, and you know that that's important to me. I say I started in a sales background, and you know you've got to be conscious of of making a difference for people. Um, I think the the work that I was talking about with with sort of under, helping people understand the bad day behaviours has been a, a starting point for some, um, and then they've gone on to to sort of go back to the the sort of original. Um, sort of projects with it or the the different ways that we can use insights um but i think you know when i when i challenge people to think okay you know what we're we're trying to do is to help people understand themselves better um explore and appreciate the difference in people around them so they can connect more effectively if you can think you know we all have situations and we all have relationships where we connect effectively with people and we we know the benefits that that brings to our business so if we can make each and every connection that people have that little bit more effective, you can start to see the different returns on investment. Um, so, you know, that that might be personal effectiveness. It might be team effectiveness and connecting with colleagues. It might be increasing your leadership effectiveness and, and being able to be, be sort of the very best you can for your team. Um, or it might be in a sales situation and sort of being connecting more effectively with your clients. Um, and yeah, I think in all those different pathways, there's there's huge areas of, of return on investment, whether it's you know, increasing engagement, it's increasing sales, it's reducing conflict. Um, yeah, I think it, it can be pretty pretty sort of far-reaching. Well, I, hope, I hope these companies are following it through to see the impact that it must be having on customer experience and customer sentiment. Um, it's funny, I see massive parallels with what we do. I mean, we're, we're all in the, we're both in the human experience business. We're trying to improve the human experiences, whether that's inside the organization or outside the organization. And I think you hit on a good term. I love the fact that you're starting with identifying the bad day behaviors, because that's like me finding the, the, the worst pain points. Because that is where the most improvement can be made. There's a, I'm, I'm reading in, a, in the coaching world that rather than trying to position people to have a perfect existence and do everything right, the fastest way to get that personal growth is to identify the worst aspect, the thing where the most opportunity lies, and do those do the things that are causing the problems less. So if you're if you're bringing uh, an understanding and an ability to reduce the what a bad day behavior might look like for you as an individual that can only serve to um, improve successful employee outcomes yeah it's it's a fascinating one and to say i mean my experience with insights is is normally you know we start with the positives we we start with people's strengths i've, I've always found it's a really positive process i don't know whether it's just because of the covid situation or i don't know whether it's that humility of, of kiwis that i was referring to earlier but there, there has been a real interest for people to to sort of look very honestly at their bad day behaviors from from recent conversations um and like you say it might because- not do you think that's because maybe with all this stress, those bad day behaviours are more and they're, they're happening more often because we are we are under stress more? Yeah, and I think it, it's like so, I mean, one of the, one of the huge concepts that underlies the work we do is is perception. So we we can all see things very differently, um, and I think there is a a real challenge. You know, let let's be honest. You know, let, let's not beat ourselves up about it. It has been sort of stressful times at the moment. Um, I know, you know, I'm I'm big enough and ugly enough to admit that when I'm under pressure, my bad day behaviours certainly creep out. Um, and yeah, I, 
I am also maybe a little bit more sensitive to others. So I think it, it's that double whammy at the moment is that we we might be sort of leaking the truth and, and showing a few of our own bad day behaviours and we, we might be a little more sensitive as well. So um, I think it, it's a it, it's really refreshing to see people wanting to address it and to to sort of minimise it to to sort of ensure the best outcomes for everyone involved. Yeah, yeah, that's no, it's very important work that you're doing. I, I certainly believe that. Um, I I obviously think that there is a massive impact on customers. What have you yeah. seen in the real world? What how how have you seen people understanding themselves more? Teams understanding themselves more. How have you seen that? Um, where, where have you yeah. seen that stand out in the impact on customer experience? That's where I'm going with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think our behaviours in in lots of ways. I think there's probably two things that that spring out to me on the customer side at the moment is we've probably been forced to do certain things because of the situation um, that's that's changed how we serve our customers. Um, and it, in a way, it's a shame that it's taken COVID to to make us do some of these things. Um, so you can see some of the things that people have done to ensure more convenience. Um, you can see is embracing digital technology um, that are possibly helping us serve clients better. Um, but we've we've only done it because our hands have been forced. Um, so I think the the take home to me and that is is let's look at this earlier and let's think about what our what our clients want from us and do it because it's the right thing to do for our clients not because we're forced into it because of a certain situation. Um, so I think that's been a, an interesting revelation through through COVID. I don't know if you found similar things. I certainly have. I certainly think. I think, I think there's a huge amount of forced change that's happening. And people are – I'm hearing business leaders talk about how they are much more focused on the outcomes and the output yeah. as a, to the activity there was always a need there's been the need for years as our busy as our lives have got busier and more complicated and um like i think about how my life has been uh, the complexity of school runs and sick children and um you know trying to fit that in around the old school way of doing it that you have to be here we're watching how much activity we're doing as opposed to we're going to be looking at how much output you create for the company it's a, yeah. a much needed change i also think that we'll find people it's almost like those early adopters these are forced early adopters um and they are they are demonstrating the the benefits of these changes that are being made throughout their business like andrew barnes with the four day week um the the, the kiwi guy he is um you know he's he's absolutely leading from the front and there will be companies that will almost be forced into doing it, and that's where they will learn the benefits that are there. So that the first few are going to be forced, but I think we'll see a tale of followers who see the benefit. The companies that survive and make the most out of the opportunities that, that, are, that are ahead for all of us. You know, like a few of my guests talked about the Winston Churchill quote about you know never waste a crisis. This is an unprecedented time for all of us. Um, and those that accept our situation and um, embrace the transformative, uh, the transformative nature of the time, I think are the ones that are going to be there. They're the ones who everyone's going to be following in, the, in whatever the might look might look like. I think it, it it could end up becoming a real tipping point as well because 
I think I can see some organisations and companies that are embracing that change and will keep the change. I think others are still doing it because they have to, um, and they'll go back to the old ways. And at some point in the future, we're going to end up with more diversity of those who are adopting us and those who aren't, and, and clients and colleagues are going to have a choice to make. Um, well, they're they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle because there is a growing change in expectations from what we get from work. Like we're seeing yeah. people. It's In the customer experience space, it is all about expectations. If you've got one of your peer companies lifting customer expectations, well, then your experience is seen as even worse than it was. There is a new level that's been for us to get our dopamine kick. And it's exactly the same in employee experience. As we hear of more of our friends being treated humanely um when you when you see these emails going out from leaders saying look we want you to remember you are not working from home you are working from home while managing kids through education while managing the family while trying to get some exercise by being locked in the companies that show that they care and understand they build an expectation in all of us that that's actually how we want to be treated moving forward yeah I forget who who said it actually, but I 100% agree with what you're saying. And someone told me at the start of the crisis that that what we were doing was going to be basically paying into an emotional bank account. So how we treated people during that period, we we might not see huge amounts of new business, or we we might not see huge return, mm. but people would remember how they were dealt with, whether that be as a client or as a as an employee, and that will absolutely pay dividends in the future. Um, yeah, for, for either group, especially in New Zealand. Oh, absolutely. Especially in New Zealand, where where we you know it's three degrees of separation. Yeah, for, across across the whole country, it seems. Certainly, that's my my experience while I've while I've lived here. So we we hear the we we, we all dine out on the on the nightmare stories that we have with brands or with employees employers, and and that just gets spread around. That you're, you're so right that it is it is banking future currency, future advocacy. Yeah. Um, I've bought, I, I don't want to go into too much detail because I've probably spoken about it on the podcast already, but we, we got some hard and fast results that prove this point um, in the retail sector. After lockdown one, we went and did some mystery shopping, and everywhere that we went that had somebody at the door explaining what their health processes were, making sure that the customer felt safe and looked after, and they were engaging in some sort of conversation. After all, we're all going through the same shared experience at the moment. So we've got one thing in common that anybody can have a chat about with someone else. Yeah. All of those guys, when you went up afterwards and said, so how are you doing? You know, what are the, what are the numbers looking like? Well, actually, we've bounced back. You know, we've made more in the, the last two weeks than we, we thought we were going to do in the four weeks before. They're all doing really well. Those companies that weren't su- supplying that safety, that comfort, that reassurance to their customers, that's showing their human side, I, you know, you'd walk in and they, you'd be ignored and there'd be no one at the door telling you to, um, with a mask, telling you to wash your hands and, you know, keep everybody safe. Every single one of those companies that I spoke to who performed badly are performing badly financially. Customers don't want to be putting themselves in that kind of harm way. And they they also recognise how well some of the, 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 the top performers are doing and they're expecting that from all of those around. It, it will be a tipping point for, for expectations in customer experience, that's for sure. And I think in employee experience, you're dead right. 
Yeah, and I think in, in those examples, you know, it's it's people understanding the needs of others and connecting with them in that appropriate way. And yeah, there's sort of such common ground with what we're, we're all about. Yeah, there's, there's also there's some industries that are doing really well. And um, certainly in the IT sector, yeah, um, and the technology sector, um, and and not to celebrate it, but the healthcare sector is also um, very buoyant, as you as you could. There's, there's obviously reasons why, but these people are going to be growing, and they're going to be wanting to take the cream and the top people, and the customer service specialists who have history, who know how to engage with their customers, and if they're not being treated well, well now they can spread their wings and, and disappear. And, of course, then that's further costs of attrition to, to to the companies that they're leaving. It's a dangerous game to be messing with human experience, to not embracing human experience at the moment, I think. Yeah, very much so, and especially these days when, when it's recognised that it seems to be more recognised that skills are portable between industries and between different companies. Um, people don't have to stay, stay in the same boxes that they once maybe thought that they had to. Um, and, yeah, I think that that creates more opportunity and more risk yeah a lot i always think there's a um by 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 improving the lives of your employees with a product and service like um the color code what you're doing you're making them better so that they're even more employable elsewhere but you're showing them that you care for them and that you you value them as individuals very similar to there's there's this thing called the CX six that I'll quickly introduce you to. We may have spoken about it in our initial conversation, but there's there's a CX six in every um, customer experience. You can kind of anybody listening, you can look at your company and on a top level and think about all right, how good is my customer experience? And you give yourself a mark out of ten across the following six areas. And one is fast. It's got to be fast. It's got to be easy. It's got to be convenient. It's got to be trackable. It's got to be personalised and it's got to be predictable. Now, I would say that that would you, you could you could say that there's an ex six there as well. If you're looking at um, an employee who wants to um, progress their career, well, they're looking across how fast can I progress it, and that that fastness is personalised to to there. How how easy, how convenient can this company help me progress? Um, and of course, with the personalised aspect, that's where you fit so beautifully. Like to know that you are on an ind- individual level being valued, and and that the company is trying to understand you more. That's got to be a huge benefit for employee engagement. Have you have you got any before and after case studies with what's what's happened to cut to employee engagement from prior to that that level of understanding being gained? Yeah, and I mean, obviously, with the colour code, we're we're still fairly new for the before and after stories in New Zealand. Um, but yeah, insights that we we obviously work with is established in something like eighty different countries. Um, I was first introduced to it twenty years ago, and it, it it's used by some of the world's biggest organisations. So there's there's huge numbers of case studies um, around some of those areas. I know that one that springs to mind is on the um, insights website. I think that was some work with um, the NHS um, back in the UK, um, but they were showing the impact on to increasing engagement and um, less staff turnover, fewer sick days, all those sorts of things. Um, I think the thing I like about those sorts of examples is increasing engagement is the right thing to do for your people. 
So, you know, it, it helps our teams feel more valued. It helps them feel appreciated. It helps them feel that we're looking after them. But the hard returns are there for the business as well. Um, so we, we've all seen the data that, that show where great engagement increases. So does revenue. So does client advocacy. Um, so, you know, staff, redu- staff turnover reduces. Um, so I, I always have a bit of a wry smile when people talk about soft skills um, because some of the soft skills we might be seeing to influence have such hard impact um, that would be absolutely crazy to ignore. I think well, you're, you're a very people-centric person like me. Um, I think that's what I've certainly got from you in our in our in the conversations that we've had together. Um, why is this? Why why does this concept have to be sold to people? It just seems so commonsensical to to me, and I think to so many people that that really focus on building great employee engagement. And you are going to be winning at least a, a good portion of the battle. Certainly to deliver good customer experience. It's impossible to deliver a good customer experience without a good culture behind it, I think. Certainly for a long period of time anyway, sustainable and and predictable. You need to have a good culture. Yeah, I, I I fully agree. Um, I think it you know it's maybe things that that people take for granted. So you know sometimes you might be talking to someone about increasing self awareness or or helping people connect more effectively. Um, and if some people are, are naturally gifted at it, they they might struggle to see how hard it is for others. Um, but we've all just got so many different stories about the impact of of where people don't just don't get us or where things are misunderstood. Um, or for, you know, there's so many opportunities for teams to just not operate effectively. Um, and if we can just make little tweaks in there, if we can make everyone's life easier um, and those communications smoother, it, yeah, it's just got so many areas. Um, and I think the you know the the thing that I've always fallen in love with it, with insights is, you know, it's got this sort of Jungian background and the Jungian foundation, but it, it's just actually really practical. So it it, it gets embedded. Um, so I'm. I'm not a fan of things that are really interesting, but a bit too sort of detached to then become useful. Um, I'm a farmer's son at heart, and this is just such a practical tool that then gets used on a daily basis. Um, and that, you know, that's my passion for it. Yeah, I, 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 my background is science, and um, I, I always look for the elegance in it. You know, it doesn't have to be completely simple, but it has to be. You know, the scientific way of thinking is you're looking for principles that work at scale and at all different scales. Yeah. Um, and that's where, that's, where, that's where you see the big um, the parallels. That's where I see the big parallels about what you're doing in that human experience space and what I, what I believe that we're doing as well. Hey, um, we, had a, uh, we had a guest on the show recorded yesterday. I'm not sure how long it will be between um, recordings. And um, a guy called Neil Baker, um, a lovely guy, and he, re- he pointed out to me that actually I've got a massive audience of people to talk to from a, a potential interview because everybody is a customer of somebody. We're all consumers. We're all customers. Um, I'm always keen in your non-professional life where, you know, what 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 hobbies you've got. What, what have, I'd love to hear of um, maybe a the best customer experience that you've had in a, in a part of your life that's really important to you. And then also let's uh, let's do the other side. And um, try and find what what do you think the biggest pain point that you might have with uh, an organization or with a um, a system? And you don't have to mention brands because you know it's a small three degrees of separation in New Zealand. <laughs> but yeah, just really, really keen to understand the highs and lows of your life as a customer. 
um, it just made me smile when you were saying that because as, as you were as you were asking the question, I was sort of starting to rack my brain. Um, and typically, through human nature, it's the it's the bad service that sprung to mind fastest. Um, so I think that that tells a tale already. Is that you know if we if we get it wrong, there's going to be more people that get told about it than than if we get it right. Um, and I think the the bad experience. I won't name the company. They're, they're certainly not New Zealand based. You know, they're, they're a big company, but it, it's it's the client service around the technology. Um, and when things go wrong, I just find them impossible to contact. Um, I'm asked to raise a ticket in this way. Um, I've got to go to certain portals. I don't know if I'm going to get answered. Um, when I get to, through to someone, I'm told I've reached the wrong line and I should have pressed a different option um, and then to ring back in. Um, when I contact them, it's, it's you know, we're, we're talking such a different language technically. I, you know, I hold my hands up. I'm not the most technically savvy, but I'm not a an absolute idiot but sometimes I'm meant made to feel like I am <laughs> um and yeah so just the whole process from start to end um you know leaves me cold every time you know I, I dread something going wrong because I, I just don't want to have to deal with them um and yeah so that that's uh, not a, a, a pleasant experience from my point of view well I, I don't know who you're talking about but I've got somebody in mind that sounds very similar and I was looking at a product yesterday with um, it's for the business and it had their logo on it because it's bit, this this tech company has worked with this other tech company to produce what they say is a seamless product. But I can't help thinking that that badge on it, because of those experiences you're talking about that's certainly similar to me, I'm kind of thinking, oh, do I really want a product and open up that potential support nightmare if something does go wrong? Yeah, absolutely. It's got such an impact. And yeah, I really think, you know, if if anyone was to ever ask me my opinions on them, I'd, I'd happily tell them, but it certainly wouldn't be positive. And I'm, yeah, I'm normally a positive sort of guy. Yeah, yeah, I know you are. So so what's the, what's the best customer experience that you've seen? Or what, like, especially over this period of time, I found quite, I've found a few companies to be really tone deaf to me. Yeah. But then I've, I've found some people who have clearly shown just some real understanding of the the position that I may have been going through and um, they they they've become I've, I've, I'm fiercely loyal to those those companies for doing that yeah um and uh, is this okay this is a business one rather than a hobby type one Brenton hey totally I mean at the end of the day a b2b business is still a human to human business yeah the, the, the idea that b2b and b2c is a, a different in some way forgets that there's still the same hero uh, human neuroscience at each end of that relationship um so yeah definitely b2b is is fine by me real so um i won't name them um i think if anyone ever looks at any of my posts on linkedin you can see the sort of people i engage with and the people i sort of um promote because i've had a good experience with them um and some of those those people have, have been sort of companies and then individuals I've, I've met in new zealand and they've just made business incredibly easy um they've made it quite a, a personal approach and it, it's never felt forced in any way so it hasn't been a hard sell. Um, it's it's been people. I think you know people seem to really lead with the relationship in New Zealand, which I I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, and they've just made it really clear that they've they've had my back, that they've genuinely wanted to support my business. Um, 
and they've, yeah, they've just made it easy. So there's been different ways of connecting. There's been genuine advice and genuine support given just very openly and very easily. Um, mm -hmm. There's been sharing of connections, sharing of networks. Um, yeah, all just been done without so huge asks and yeah, just incredibly open heartedly, I would have said. Um, yeah, and that that's made huge impact. And again, um, I've actively sought for opportunities to do business with these people um, and I openly seek opportunities to tell other people how great they are. Mm, I've, I've got a company that um, springs to mind straight away about my best customer experience that I've had as a business, actually. So it is in that space. Um, I have been so vocal about their products and services since they have become a, 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 a firm cemented part of my 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 business life um they've 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 taken away so many pain points that i was experiencing last year and without them i certainly don't think i'd be where i was so so for me i think in a world where we know how valuable we are as customers now as well you know that's the when we've got businesses on the news telling us that they need us to come and see them or they need us to use them well we 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 now expect that to be treated accordingly, like we are as valuable as we are. And these guys certainly are. And it, it does create advocacy. Like the, the wow moments that I've got from them really have meant that anybody brings up this certain subject, and I think we've spoken about it as well. Um, I'm not going to give them a free plug on on TV because <laughs> at the moment uh, on the on the on the show at the moment. Um, how much do you think that your advocacy has become harder to um, harder to get hold of but it's become for me i think my advocacy is now even more valuable than it used to be because i'm 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 i'm, I'm making sure that i support the companies that matter to me now yeah yeah no i definitely agree with that is um yeah i think it, especially in new zealand it, you know people trust you know that recommendation and it it is like you say there's there's more connections within new zealand and it, it gets passed around really quickly and, and openly with australia as well um so i do think it, it it's really important um and i guess we all trust what our you know what our friends and what pe who, people who we respect tell us um it's interesting these days that you know we we sort of see the we see the advocacy and we see the star ratings on things like google and facebook um I don't know how much I trust those these days because we, you know, we've all seen those stories where you can sort of boost up your star ratings and things. But I still think that that word to mouth recommendation from from people we know and trust is you know, never more valuable than it is right now. Yeah, I think we're getting better. At, I mean, there's the whole growth of prosumerism, and we talk about it in, in our work with people about realizing that we're in the age of the consumer. But people are professional now mm. at being customers about being clients and we've got expectations from elsewhere um i i honestly do believe that the, the the future belongs to those people that that are able to authentically connect with them and as you've so rightly pointed out during this conversation that, that maybe this year is that is the tipping point um with with this year being so transformative and forced on us what are the what are We've we've all learnt so many lessons from this year, right? What's what's your biggest? And we're only in August. Well, sorry, we're only in September, and um, we've still got three months. So aliens could certainly turn up in twenty twenty if it's ever going to be a year that they're going to show themselves this year. But what are the three biggest lessons that you've learnt out of um, this crisis? 
Um, I think the big one for me, the first one that springs to mind has got to be flexibility. Um, so Nick, my business partner and I, you know, we were, I think we were signing the contract for the new business just as um, COVID was was starting to roll. Um, I'm glad we, we didn't back out because it would have been the easiest thing to say, oh, you know, maybe we should wait till next year. I'm, I'm so pleased we haven't done that. Um, but, you know, we'd, we'd put together a business plan that meant face-to-face meetings, inviting people to, to local venues. Um, and that approach had to change, you know, overnight. Um, so we we had to be flexible in our approach. Um, and you can't be too set in your way. So you've got to have that flexibility to weave as as the situation changes. So, yeah, the, the need for flexibility has certainly got to be one for me. Um, I think the second one is is probably the awareness of your strengths um, and probably that that authenticity that you were referring to. So um, I think for, for Nick and I, as we put the business together, um, because of our, our sort of background with insights, we've, we've probably got a good idea of, of what it is we're good at and the bits that we, we aren't so good at. And we're, we just tend to be quite honest about that. So we fill in each other's gaps. We, we play to our strengths and we, we hopefully lean on the other one where, where we need to. Um, you know, we're, we're probably a bit like a married couple. I'm sure we, we drive each other crazy at times with our different approach. Um, but we, we equally totally respect what the other one brings. And that, yeah, I think that that awareness of strengths been a, been a sort of a useful one. Um, and I think the the third one is is probably what you've you've said yourself, Brenton is is that awareness of of the needs of your clients. So we we can't get too focused on on what we do and just shout about that all the time. We've we've got to to genuinely and openly listen to our clients and the the changing problems that they're facing and and to be there to to help that not to be sort of too focused on our own agendas. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with uh, you more on those three. They're excellent. Um, think, um, I think resilience is something that we've all been building as well over this um, this year, but, but, but that's under stress, I think, for a lot of people. So, so underst- I, I know that what you do would be useful to so many people. Um, I'm I'm really keen to give it a go for myself and, and my business at some point soon. Um, but but for our listeners, because we're, we're coming to the end, if they wanted to reach out to you and to learn more about the colour code, first of all, is it for individuals as well as for companies? Um, like like where who 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 would you love to be hearing from at the end of this show and this one this wonderful conversation that we've had? How how should people be re- reaching out to you and, and for what reasons? Yeah, so you know, I'd be delighted to to speak to people. So we're would sort of normally working with with organisations and teams. Um, so um, that's sort of the the people that we're, we're working with most frequently. Um, but that that's been my my other sort of learning recently is you know for for individuals that that their situation might have changed. They they might want to do a profile in their own right and. You know, it might be for their own development between roles or for different reasons. So I'm delighted to hear from individuals. I, I really am. And, you know, I think there's opportunities where where we can help those those people. Um, but, yeah, realistically, the, the clients that we're working with normally is, is sort of groups and teams. Um, I, this might sound really naff, but I'm, I'm just genuinely intrigued to hear people's, um, you know, concerns at the moment where there might be opportunities to support them. So... I'm certainly not about a hard sell. If if people want to get in touch through LinkedIn or through the website or give me a phone, um, I'm 
I know what we do isn't for everyone. You know, um, it, it's not going to solve every problem in the world, but I think there's there's some real problems that we we can support. So, the biggest opportunity for me is to to have a chat, see what what problems people are facing at the moment, and where we might be able to help. Um, and then, yeah, to talk them through the process of, of what it's like to have the profile and, and how we work with teams and, and leaders to to support them. Well, you say it's not going to help everybody. I, I challenge that because there's a massive um, there's a, there's another there's another epidemic um, around the world that's been going on for years and years. Um, well, there's many, but but one that springs to mind is the the gap between leadership and employee engagement. With eighty percent of training, I believe that was the number that was quoted to me. Eighty percent of all company training is spent on leadership improvements so how leaders can engage better with their teams and yet only 20% of employees believe that leaders are engaging authentically with them this would seem to me a, a, let's carve off a little bit of that 80% focused on leaders and, and put some money into um, insight discovery yeah, I think, and I mean, crikey, the COVID situation has really proven that. I mean, I'm not a hugely political person, but I think when I first started my career, I was it was sort of probably pointed out that you you had to lead in a certain way, and that was probably quite authoritative, quite direct. Um, I think we can see as we look around the world that there's been leaders leading with very different preferences, um, and you can be a great leader leading authentically with your own style. Um, so yeah, I think the the opportunity that insights give it gives in that area is to to consider your own leadership style, but then to look to the needs of your team. Um, and you know, to be a great leader, we we do exactly what you've said, which is is to consider how how our team needs us to show up and how we can authentically be there for them. So back to that understanding of yourself and appreciation of others um, is only going to join those dots. I can definitely think of, let's say, I can think of one or more situations where your product would have made my working life far easier um, at an organisation, open brackets, zzz, close brackets. <laughs> so I'd, I'd invite all listeners who, who think that this, who, who has found some insight in, in um, Simon's um Simon's journey and um, what he's doing at Color Code. Please reach out. We will. Um, Simon will provide us with some links. We'll put those in the show notes for for him as well. Um, so yeah, please please reach out to to Simon if there's a way that you think that he can help you. Um, Simon, thanks so much for uh, for taking some time out today. Um, how's how's the, how is the weather down in Tauranga? We've got a beautiful um, crisp day where we are. So uh, yeah. It's uh, it's great here. I'm just looking out of the windows, the sparkling sea and the blue sky, and uh, I've got to remind myself that we're still in early spring, so probably still 10 degrees warmer than it would have been in my old hometown. So yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just loving life in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a shout out. By the way, this um this episode has not been sponsored by New Zealand Tourism. Uh, <laughs> so, so once again, Simon, thanks so much. I can't wait till we next catch up. Um, and so yeah, have a very good weekend. You too. Great to speak to you, Brenton. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you very much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it interesting. Um, as a further sign of gratitude, we'd like to pass on a 30% discount to all listeners um, on the HTO Educate Learning Management System. 
we uh, we've we've launched it recently um, with a base level of um, courses that really focus on helping companies get through this really tough year. Um, looking at mental health management, looking at um, managing virtual teams, setting up home offices. There's a, a, a very strong focus on health and safety as well, because we certainly believe that at the moment your customers, the very base level of customer service that they're expecting is to be safe when they're doing business with you. Um, so, so please have a look um, at the website, see whether it's something that could be of value to you and your teams in a year where it's very difficult to, to find time to train and to refresh skills. Um, and we'll put the we'll put the address in the notes um, to this episode, um, along with the the discount code, which is HTO Podcast Thirty. But yeah, that will be in the notes. So once again, thank you, and I look forward to talking with you on the next podcast.